Hey, what's up everyone? My name is DJ Martin, church pastor here at Parker Ford Church. Today we are starting a new midweek teaching series on the Sermon on the Mount, and I'm calling this series A Path Forward. So whether you're from Parker Ford Church or just watching this online, we're so glad to have you with us, and I hope that this teaching um, challenges and stretches you and helps, uh, helps all of us think through what it looks like to live in the present reality of God's kingdom here. Before we start, I'm going to pray, invite the Lord to lead us. I invite you to join me in prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you because this is the day that you created. And as crazy as our world is right now, to be alive is to be alive with you. And to live is to have the constant invitation to live in your kingdom. And as we look at this teaching, one of the most, if not the most important teachings that's ever been given on earth, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus's beautiful, beautiful teaching about living in the kingdom of God. Would you shape us and mold us and change the way that we live and that we think? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever been in a terrible traffic jam? I mean, like bumper to bumper, things come to a stop, and there's no movement forward. That's like one of the worst experiences. It makes my skin crawl when I'm in that situation, especially if you don't know why you're stuck. And there's cars on either side of you. There's cars and vehicles in front of you and behind you, and you can't move forward. It's just gridlock. It's just stuck. The worst traffic I've ever experienced is in the city of Manila. I lived in Manila in the Philippines for a couple years. I attended a boarding school there when my parents were missionaries in the southern Philippines. And Manila has the worst traffic I've ever experienced in my life. Just to get across the city, you'd have to plan a day. So the school I attended was on one side of the city. The airport was on the other. When you, when you flew into the airport, you had to plan three to five hours to get across the city, to go through it, to get to the school, and vice versa. Basically, your whole day is gone just traveling across the city. And it is so frustrating when you're in that traffic and you're just sitting there and there's nothing that you can do about it. You're just stuck. In many ways, that's what it feels like, to me at least, to be an American in 2020. With all of the partisan politics, all of the, the just anger and vitriol and frustration where people are talking past one another and no one is, is, very few people are modeling humility and listening. It just feels like gridlock and to be stuck. And here we are approaching another election and it is going to be every bit as contentious and angry um, as it was in 2016, four years ago. And so one of my constant prayers for myself, for my family, for my friends, and for Parker Ford Church and the flock here is how do we move out of this gridlock? Because I don't believe that the kingdom of God is represented by either political party in America. Neither party represents. Whoever you vote for, you have to lay down some of your core Christian principles in order to vote for that person. You have to hold your nose. You have to vote for the lesser evil in so many ways. It just feels so gross and so dirty to be a part of the system at all right now. What we need is an alternative reality. 
What we need is a different way to live, a new way to be human, a path forward, which is why we are going to be talking about the Sermon on the Mount, because if there is any teaching in the scripture that offers us an alternative reality, a different way to live, it's the Sermon on the Mount. Now, in the scriptures, context is almost everything. Because if you don't understand the context of any given story or any given teaching or parable or even psalm in the scriptures, then what's so often going to happen is you're going to proof text, which is just a way of saying you're going to take the thing that you want to hear and pull it out of the text, rip it out of its context, and then, and then hold that thing up as if it's the most important thing. But when we understand the context of any given teaching or story, it helps and guards us against doing that. If you proof text, if you just pull any single verse and build a theology from it, you can get all kinds of crazy stuff out of the scriptures. And that's happened, you know, since really the beginning of, of the Christian story. I mean, think about the horrible things that have been justified by, by proof texting scriptures, like slavery. You know, if you pull a single verse out of Ephesians where it says, servants obey your masters, and you build a theology on that without understanding the context of what Paul was actually saying, you're going to get into all sorts of crazy trouble, and you're gonna, it's going to be very problematic. So we don't want to do that, and we don't want to do that with the Sermon on the Mount. So here's a little bit of context for the Sermon on the Mount. First, in Matthew, Jesus, um, the story of the genealogy of Jesus is, is told, which again is showing us that Jesus was a man who lived within a context. He's part of a story. God inserts his son into that story at a specific time. It may be boring for you to read the genealogies, but it's on its context. It's important to understand that he's a part of a larger story. Then we have Jesus' baptism. After he's grown and he's a young man, he's ready to begin his public ministry. The first thing that he does is he goes to his cousin John and he's baptized. The Spirit of God comes upon him like a dove and God says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Immediately after, oh, and then God says, listen to him. That's really, that's really key. Listen to him. Immediately after the baptism, Jesus is led into the wilderness by the Spirit of God for 40 days of fasting, 40 days and 40 nights of fasting. And then at the end of that experience, he's tempted by the devil. Satan comes to him and tempts him. After, after his confrontation with Satan, Jesus preaches his first sermon in Matthew chapter 4. And his first sermon is simply this, repent for the kingdom of heaven it is, is at hand. If you don't hear anything else I say today, listen to this. This is Jesus' central teaching. It's where he starts and where he ends his ministry. Repent, change the way you live, think differently, turn and walk the other way, live a different life. Why? Because God's kingdom is at hand. It's here. This is reality. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As an American uh, Christian, particularly conservative American, uh, theologically conservative, often we are taught that the central message of Jesus's teachings was that he wants to save us from our sins. He died on the cross to save us from our sins. That That is, of course, that is, of course, very central to the teachings of Jesus, but it's actually a result of the central message of Christ. And his central message was this, that God's kingdom has come. It's breaking through. Therefore, repent and live as if or in this reality. 
And then salvation from sin, from personal sin, um, it flows from that message. It's a result of the kingdom of God breaking into earth. The next thing Jesus does after he preaches this first sermon is he calls his first disciples. Because God's kingdom is here, he's going to call people to that mission. And so he calls his first disciples to come and be a part of the kingdom of God breaking out. And then it says that Jesus ministered to great crowds. And all of this leads us to the Sermon on the Mount. So the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' response to the question, if your kingdom is truly here, if the kingdom of heaven is truly here, how then should we live? And it's in this context that Jesus teaches Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the, what we've come to know as the Sermon on the Mount. One of the references that I'll be drawing from uh, throughout this series is Dallas Willard's um, work, The Divine Conspiracy, which he builds around the Sermon on the Mount. I would highly recommend this as a resource. It's a difficult, challenging read, but it's well worth it. This is what uh, Dallas Willard says about the kingdom of God. He says, now God's own kingdom or rule is the range of his effective will. So his kingdom, his kingdom is where Jesus's will is being done, where what he wants done is done. This is why Jesus prays in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Lord's Prayer, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May your will be done in this kingdom as it is in heaven. The person of God himself and the action of his will are the organizing principles of his kingdom. So everything in the kingdom of God is organized around Jesus. But everything that obeys those principles, whether by nature or by choice, is within his kingdom. So we, when we obey Jesus' teaching, we are in the kingdom of God. So is the Sermon on the Mount, is it an ethical, moral teaching? Is it a teaching about how Jesus lived his own life? Or is it something else? I believe it's something else. The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' kingdom constitution. If the kingdom of heaven is here, how then should we live? This teaching is the constitution for his kingdom. It's the founding document. It's the founding principles from which we are to build our lives. Dallas Willard goes on to say, what we have come to call the Sermon on the Mount is a concise statement of Jesus' teachings on how to actually live in the reality of God's present kingdom available to us from the very space surrounding our bodies. Jesus addresses two main questions in this teaching. How do we live the good life? How do I live a good life? Not only like receiving goodness, but also walking out goodness, which he answers at the beginning of the sermon, Matthew 5, verses uh, 3 to 20. And the second question Jesus deals with concerns who is truly a good person and how does a good person live and what kind of goodness is found in God himself. And this question is addressed by Jesus in Matthew 5, verses 20 to chapter 7, uh, verses 27, which is the end of the sermon. So Jesus is going to address these two big questions. One of the things that Jesus says repeatedly in the sermon is, you have heard it said, but I say to you. He was saying, you've heard the Pharisees say this, you've heard the Sadducee, Sadducees say this, but I say this to you. How poignant, how helpful, how, how important is this same statement to us here in 2020? You've heard Democrats say this, you've heard Republicans say this, you've heard a leader say this, you've heard a leader say that, but I say to you, 
And what I, what, I, what I would like to put forward throughout this series is that Jesus is saying the same thing today. You have heard it said, but I am offering you a different reality. I am offering you a path forward that is not based on human principles, that is not based on the world, but on something better. Which is why Jesus says, he, he finishes the teaching with the famous parable, if you hear these words, and you do them, you obey them, you're like a man who builds his house on the rock, a wise man who builds his house on the rock, and when the storms of life come against you, you will not fall, that house will not fall, because it's built on the foundation, but if you hear this, and you don't obey it, you're building your foundation on sand, and when the storms of life come, it's washed away, we cannot build our life on any human political party, that foundation is quicksand. We must build our lives on the foundation of Jesus Christ and his kingdom alone. So as we walk through this, I'd like to offer several resources. I've already mentioned The Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willard, and again, just to be clear, that's a challenging read, but if you're up for it, um, I would highly recommend it. A much easier read, it's written in a devotional format, but it's also very rich and worth worth your time, is What If Jesus Was Serious by Sky Jathani. And in this devotional, what he does is he walks through the Sermon on the Mount and he asks the question, what if Jesus was actually serious that this is the way that we're supposed to live? Um, It's just short essays, short devotionals on the Sermon on the Mount. I'd also encourage you to watch the Bible Project's Matthew Overview. You can just YouTube or Google Matthew Overview um, Bible Project, and it'll pull it up. That'll help give context to the teaching. And I'd encourage you to listen to the song Kingdom of God by John Guerra. You can find that on YouTube, Spotify, wherever you listen to your music. What I'd like you to do today, or when you have time, in light of this, of this teaching, is read Matthew 5-7. to If Jesus was serious, and if this is his teaching on what it means to live in the kingdom of heaven today, then read Matthew chapter 5 through 7 as a whole. Read the whole sermon, and ask yourself this question, do you take Jesus's teaching seriously? Is it easier for you to view Jesus as your savior than it is for you to view him as your rabbi, your teacher? Jesus is our savior, but he's more than that. He not only came to save us, he came to teach us how to live. And how does this teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, offer you a path forward that's out of the gridlock? Let's let's live out of this plane of reality and in the reality that Jesus has called us to in the Sermon on the Mount. With that, I'm going to conclude the teaching for today. Going forward, we'll be jumping into the text. Let's pray and invite God uh, to lead us and, uh, and teach us how to live in his kingdom. God, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you. Spirit, we thank you that you have offered us a different way to live. It's better, richer, deeper than what this world has to offer. We have heard it said we must live like this. We must vote like this. We must do this. We must do that. But you say this. Love your enemies. You say this, bless those who curse you. You say this, be a servant of all. You say this, be light because you are the light of the world. Be salty because you are the salt. There's so many things that you teach us in this short sermon that offer us a path forward. So we receive it from you today and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for being with us today. Have a wonderful day.